Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. This is the podcast for the suburban family who wants to quit the rat race and return to the land. Uh, I like to begin my podcasts as if we're already in the middle of a conversation with you. So imagine that you were at the table with us, planning out the intro, the outline for today's podcast, and then an emergency happens. You mean like wind starts blowing like it's from, not Alice in Wonderland, it's the Wizard of Oz and all of the lids in our uh, tractors like go flying off and our one single turkey that's alive ends up in the three foot high grass of our septic field? I mean, something like that. Like, yeah, you're sitting down to do work. You're, you're literally outlining a podcast on losses. And then you're faced with a potential loss. So... I guess that kicks us off today because, ugh, we are experiencing the things that no one's writing about when it comes to, to homesteading. Like there's not a book on when you have livestock, you'll have dead stock. There's not a book on just like how much loss is loss and not just when you are processing your animals to put in your freezer. I don't know. Maybe Jill Salatin talks about that and. In- any of his anybody can farm. It's just when you when it happens to you first, it really sucks. This deserves a whole chapter. So in the chapter of Bo and Kelly on a homestead, <laughs> this gets like 40 pages. I think we have to rewind and go back to so before this like feels too much of a downer, there is a lot of hope. There is a lot of learning through loss. And I think that's what we would title this podcast is the lessons of loss on the homestead. So if we rewind to March of 2020, these were our first significant losses. You know, we had rabbits in the city and there was an occasional stillbirth with a rabbit, which is so sad. And there was an occasional loss of a little kit in the first couple of weeks, maybe. But that was really the max of our losses. And then March of 2020 happened. And it was like, along with the chaos in the world, that all of a sudden our rabbits were participating in straight up crazy nonsense behavior. I mean, I thought the world was ending again. I know. You're really in tune with that, babe. Yeah, I am. I, I was I was wrong. <laughs> The first time. I don't even know if we've talked about that a year ago whenever we were doing the podcast of... How we got to our property. I feel like that's, you know, a a podcast for a future time. Yes. So Lessons in loss. Exactly. Thought the world was going to end, bought land, and then 2020 happened. And I really thought that the world, I was like, this is it. This This is is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been preparing for my whole life. Yes. But it was a little overwhelming because there was a rabbit disease... Yeah. Going on. So rabbit you, hemorrhagic viral disease is basically what you it's called. You can't even say that. RHVD. So it sounds like rabbits have gonorrhea, but that's not what it is. <laughs> but so here's the deal. So we had just a total fluke mistake. We've gotten some flowers from the store. We had a litter of rabbits that was out on pasture, about four of them. 
they were grow outs and we gave them the the flowers from the store and within days they were just not well they were they were not growing or thriving anymore they were ill they were lethargic and we knew we had made a huge mistake i'll own this this is all me i whenever we bought rabbits our rabbit breeder was saying i do not like roses but i grow roses right to feed my rabbits right and i thought that they could eat it and i should have known that this is just you know typical grocery store yeah who even really knows what they spray on it it could have formaldehyde it could have stuff in the food you know that the little powder crystals you put in so huge mistake on our part but we killed probably four oh i thought it was six of eight no it was four that makes and, me feel better. Well, good. I'm glad I could comfort you a year later. And and in that first like real kicker of a loss, so I'm just, you know, setting you up for the rest. But for those of you nitty gritty people who are like, what does it look like to experience, you know, the first year of homesteading and a lot of the lessons learned are in loss. So we lost that first litter on pasture. It wasn't our first ever litter, but that was the first loss on pasture. But within a few weeks, and this is why I'm a little bit suspicious of that experience. Maybe some of you out there have heard this or experienced this yourself where you had um, rabbits and they store-bought flowers and they died. So in that way, case, let me know because then we'll know, we'll know the, the post-mortem diagnosis. But we also had this RHVD that was going around and uh, we didn't think it was hitting our rabbits. Until we had a mama with two kits and uh, one of the kits got out. We got it back in and then uh, the within days, both the kits were gone. They had just, we went out to check on them and they had just keeled over. They were small, very small. And this was the first litter that was actually birthed out on pasture and not in one of our hut, our hutches for our rabbits. And... Um, then within a day after that, the mama died. And the real um, kind of like consistent symptom that we saw or aftermath that we saw was that every rabbit had a bloody nose. And that's really unusual for rabbits unless maybe they're, they're newborn kits, right? So we're like, It's like what? they were hemor- hemorrhaging yeah. from their nose. Right. And then within uh, about two months of that, we'd lost another litter. And we're like, all right, we're not putting any rabbits out on pasture again. And that summer, a friend who uh, was also raising rabbits in our area in central Texas said, hey, I um, just went out and one of my rabbits in my hutch was was seizuring. And what I'd learned between the death of our last litter and and her rabbit who was was seizuring was that this disease was rampant in Texas and some of the other southeastern U.S. states. So we had this experience where we were just like, what is going on? And this disease is kind of a freak. It can um, just pass on the dew in the morning. It can also be on the biting like gnats and flies and things. So it can carry disease through through um, biting pests. And we were just like, this is unbelievable. So basically, the telltale markers is that the rabbits would seizure and then hemorrhage and die. And this was in moments. Like, you would see absolutely no no symptom. 
And then within a day, probably even 12 hours, that rabbit was suffering. So this was the first like smack in the face, like, wow, I feel like we're in the elements and and not our little sweet suburban lot where everything is very neat and tidy and sterile when it comes to the suburbs. And then when you get on your property, probably depending on where you live, but for sure us, it feels like you're in the wild and we're 10 minutes from a Walmart. Like we are not in the wild, but these rabbits were dropping and we wound up losing almost all except for two of our male rabbits. That's where we're at now is just deciding, is the coast clear for us to continue raising rabbits? And do we have an, you know, a, a more ethical way to raise them so that they're getting their best life? <laughs> it's just well, bananas. And, and, and that's and, only the first loss. Well, and we but be just talking about rabbits, the rabbits haven't done amazing in this area yeah. like we, we ended up getting mites with the rabbits so we're just talking about just the rabbits and the hardships that we've had with raising rabbits here on our property versus how piece of cake they were they were just the easiest thing in suburbia we're not i don't think we're giving up no on rabbits i i really do still believe that rabbits should be your first animal on a homestead that if you can get them going, that they just function stack like, I mean, just better than any other animal that you could raise. But Turk, talking about losses, we're not just talking about the typical, I don't know, for us, we're, we're still pretty new at this. So in all of those losses with the rabbits, what would be a lesson takeaway that you have? You just stumped me. Okay, what would yeah, you're leading I I me? What are you, yeah, no, I, I really wasn't trying to lead you. I had some, but I, I wasn't sure if they'd be the same. Lesson, I think, out of that loss, because I think each one has a different lesson. But lesson out of that loss is really that just because it worked in the suburbs doesn't mean it's going to work in the same way in your homestead. So I do think, I agree with you, rabbits as a function stack is remarkable. We get magic golden poop for our garden we get a really great source of protein and they are prolific if you have a good male and female rabbit so a good doe and a buck then you're gonna have a lot of rabbits and that means sustainability so i love rabbits they're also super cute and super easy to sell when you've got cute ones you can you can also sell those little sweet bunnies to anyone in your area who's just looking for pets, which is how we started with our rabbits in the suburbs. So I think they're fantastic. But the truth is, when you move your rabbits from the suburbs, just because they work there to the homestead doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the exact same. We were worried about predators. That was not the lesson from this. It was that uh, you can have risk even without predators. And the lesson really is figure out which animals work best on your property because it could be different from homestead to homestead. Yeah, we thought when we first got the rabbits that we were going to get wild dogs and oh, yeah. coyotes just coming like in. Like sniffing and around just, our door. Exactly, and just pound, you know, just pushing through that little you know hardware cloth of a hutch that we had. Went out, bought a rat, you know, a, a dog uh, kennel like cage yeah. and you know, it, it wasn't going to be even it's perfect, a little overkill. but just a little bit something <laughs> that can do. Now we're multi-purposing it. We actually have our little 
uh, uh, Daniel Salatin, Joel Salatin's son, little, you know, poor man's racking system, <laughs> rabbit and chicken to yeah. where, you know, we, for a couple of hours a day, we lock the chickens in there because we feed them in there and they're free. The, our main layers are free ranging and they won't stay in the netting. <laughs> Long story. This is a different system, but yes, we thought that we were going to have different predators coming so we're just not talking about like the typical so in terms of back let's go to chickens and poultry yeah because we talked about rabbits and the bulk of a lot of this is happening is is about all the different poultry that we have right now we have a lot of birds yeah and i thought that we were going to be getting a lot of losses in the brooder Mm -hmm. which there is one breed that we have had a lot of losses in the brooder so i guess Maybe we are talking about typical brooder losses, but we incubated chickens for the first time in 2019, and then we ended up incubating those, then we put them in the brooder, no losses, they did amazing, just great. Then we did the meat chickens, zero losses in the brooder, Yeah, put them out on pasture, and we would have a little, I think we lost like one the first week, but that was really it. We only lost one but until th- the heat. Exactly. Then that heat hit for those meat rabbits and we lost like 10. Well, 106 degree weather does not bode well for big, fat, bulky chickens. So I, we raised the sea move. monsters, yes. Cornish Cornish Cross. and uh, And it was the middle of August. So we decided very clearly that we were never going to raise summer chickens again. In fact, we'd avoid pigs if we could, but we will never do summer meat birds again. Well, summer chick, yeah. Yeah, meat yeah, birds. Yeah, yeah, definitely not summer meat birds for sure. Yeah, so in that last lesson was never raise them in the Texas heat, which will be very different from everybody's, you know, wherever you live, your region's going to be different. If you have a lot of seasonal storms, maybe you don't <laughs> do... Uh, high maintenance things like chickens, our meat birds only grow for about eight to 10 weeks, depending on how often they're moving and fresh their grasses. So last summer, our coping mechanisms to just try and save the daggone birds was to go out there a couple of times a day. Now we could find a smarter way for this, but we are also cheap. And in the, in the chicken tractor, we would spray the top of it with water from inside of the of the tractor itself and then it created like a rainforest cooling effect so it was like a mister but po mister so like you so po you yeah. can't avoid they are like that's how bad it was so this summer if we were to do something in a, a hotter month like you know july september it's still pretty hot in texas we're, we're talking like high 90s mid to high 90s and we would put misters on those tractors easy like make your stimulus money work for you because we might be getting chicken misters y'all it, but it worked it immediately whenever it we started work. doing that five times a day five times a day we would do it once when we did the morning chores yes. once when we did the evening chores and then literally three yeah. times in between go in there mist underneath the the tarp to where it did that rainforest and that did it. And we also, well, we also crazy gave them like so much water. We like shoved our our uh, stainless steel camping plates yep. underneath the tractor 
filled with water so that they could either put their feet in there, just put their beaks cool in there, off just somehow. to cool off. The reason why we did it was because the pandemic hit and all of the hatcheries were yeah. sold out. Like this was the first time that we were able, this was the first delivery of of these meat birds that we were able to get was in July. We tried to get them in May, but we couldn't. That's right. I remember. So, I mean, we... we we this was all we it. had to get. We couldn't yeah. we couldn't have done it sooner. We couldn't have done it later. And it's great. We filled our freezer. That was fantastic. Almost a year later, I think we had about 10 months later when we ate our last chicken from that batch. But within those losses, I think you you lose your uh, respect or disrespect for foolishness real quick. Like you are not worried about running out there in the middle of the day, grabbing a chicken and putting its feet in cold water like who cares if you put a bra on? You're just going to save some chickens. And I think the lesson in, in the meat bird loss was um, prepare, like observe what is happening seasonally in your area. It's easy to forget that air conditioning is not happening in your chicken coop when you're sitting in the air conditioning. We spend so much of our summers in Texas in our AC house because it's so stinking hot, but our animals just, even in the shade, could not hang in the summer without high toddler type maintenance, <laughs> like run after them every five minutes kind of maintenance. So we won't do that again. And I'm so thankful for that lesson. Well, and I would just say, biggest lesson, know your climate, know your climate's greatest intensity. Yeah, for us, high it's- or low. Yeah, for us, it's it's the hot, hot summer. For you in Michigan, then it's, it's going to be your your winters. There might be some people that live a little bit in a floodplain, know when those heavy rains are coming. And you might not be able to like really time that, but just know some of these times. And if you're, if you're doing it for market, you might not have the choice. But if you're doing it for a homestead and growing your own food, then really grow those animals those meat birds in the 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 least stressful time for us right now it's going to be the spring and then the late fall so that's whenever we have this the second round of meat birds coming we have another 30 round uh, uh 30 count now we did have some loss in the brooder with your beautiful lavender like now that i'm looking back on it we lost probably they were four not the hardiest of baby chicks now but we also had we had a lot. We had a lot of birds in, in a that, little space. Yes. With a very, very strange temperature year. All right. So we got these birds, these lavender orpingtons and blue australorps and some blue self cochins and then some like crazy frizzle bantams. If this is new, like chicken speak to you, don't sweat it. I'm still learning it. And in that, we got all these beautiful gray poultry palette birds. It's like my 2021 aim is to have gorgeous gray birds. And in that, we had just had a freeze, but then we had several nights where it dipped below freezing in our area, which is just kind of uncalled for for Central Texas. Like, we just don't do that here, y'all. So with that, we have, thank God, we have a shed that we don't live in 
but that we do keep alive things in. Thank and it's, you to my dad. Yes. It's become sort of a nursery. So whenever we get new poultry, it's gone into one of the brooder boxes in the shed. And then we've regulated that with um, like robo hen warming plates. And it's a great alternative to the heat lamp because I'm not afraid my house is going to burn down. But it does mean that the chicks have to respond and go under the little warming plate. And we lost, I think, four, maybe even five birds when we got those lavender and blue birds in in the brooder box. So within about two weeks, we lost several of them. Well, that was three different breeds. We it had was. the blue Australorp, then we have the lavender Orpingtons, and then we even had those fuzzy... Blue self-cochins. And then oh, we okay, have so the you're saying that there's, So you're there saying that there's four. four. Goodness. That's probably one of the reasons why is we had so many different I think we had about 20... I think we had 25 or 30 birds. It and, might have been 28. Yeah, that's a little overmuch for that little space. Overmuch. New, new phrase of the day, guys. That's overmuch. It's overmuch, over man. But they made it out to pasture. There they is did. a... Breed and it felt of bird. Victorious because in huge contrast to the meat birds that grow so rapidly. I mean, they are beasts and they grow so quickly. Then we have this lovely little flock of gray birds, and we, we get them strong enough, their feathers come in. We have nurtured the heck out of these birds in weird weather, feeling so proud of ourselves. So we get them out on pasture in a chicken tractor. The John Saskovich. I don't know. This is, is a weird name. John Saskovich. There it is. It's very dignified. Stress-free chicken tractor. It's a great design. But they grow great. Super happy. Move them twice a day. We have a birthday party. Ugh. And after that birthday party and all the kids were here, we realized the next day doing chores, all of the beautiful gray poultry palette birds are out, freaked out, having like they, you could just see that they were just scared because evidently they weren't locked up properly and then they were all out. They escaped. So Ollie and I run out there, we get all of them in, and then we see that there's two more birds. That aren't coming. Yeah. They're They're not trying to get back to the tractor. No, they're just a little freaked out. And so I have to go duck under some trees to get to them to try to go behind them to shoo them back towards the tractor. And as I'm ducking down, going to my left are the birds, and over in the corner of my right, like periphery, peripheral, periphery, what is that word? Peripheral? I think it's the periphery. Periphery. Maybe. Is a copperhead that jumps and... It lurched. It lurched. It did. I've seen... So I've killed probably six or seven copperheads with shovels since we've gotten here. within the last week. So That's this is the third one. Stings, this is the third so one fresh. because that one was a little bit actually that was I had just killed one. I know. 30 minutes prior to this in the morning when your dad is out trying to clean up our property with our bo- with our boys and having a good time like cleaning up after the party, being helpful. He sees a copperhead. I'm like, "Okay, I got to go kill it." And for all of you snake lovers, 
just I'm sorry, I do not I do not um, enjoy killing poisonous snakes. I don't want to do it. We have four little kids. We have lots of animals. I do not kill any non-poisonous snakes. So if it's a rat snake, it's allowed to eat a chicken. It's we allowed even, to eat some eggs. Like we do not. But al- we don't even kill venomous snakes very often. Like we have encountered a few and they just lived and let live. Mm, but these Every time three, I can do it. I sure, do it. if we can. But there have been some that we the, couldn't get to. and we Sure, just, they got away. They They were there. But this these w- snakes, and it's very, like, this is just this week that this has happened. No snakes in over a year. And then one three feet away from our 10-year-old. Then another one in this instance where they're cleaning up. And then the third one, right as you are going to save our chickens. And the reason that they were, here's the loss, right? Like the reason that they were out there was because. Why? Why? What was the. Why why? weren't the chickens coming back? Because they were bit. Clearly. They had both. They've been hobbled. Like there's no. Hobbled is such a great way to say it. They were maimed. Yeah. They got bit somehow. So. The it was a blue Australorp and a lavender Orpington, and we, at the moment, one of the blue Australorps healed up. It was limping. It wasn't right. doing good. So we put them to into our second brooder, and she ended up getting better. The lavender Orpington right now at the moment is. Still recovering. I don't. No, she is recovering. She's better today than yesterday. And we're 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 trying to give her a chance, and because it is a hen, and I don't want to just. Well, and because that's our responsibility. Like over there were a couple months ago, and Jess at Roots and Refuge was saying that they just had a goat, and it was like trying to pull through, but. The goat was not holding temperature. And one of the things she said was like the most important thing you can do is just do your best to give that animal a chance. And if that animal doesn't make it, we can't do anything about that. But what we can do is everything we're able to do to give it a fighting chance. That's what we're doing with this chicken. I feel like that's what we've been in like high stress mode with so many animals that are baby, baby right now. Just trying to give them their own fighting chance. So this chicken, this lavender Orpington, who is still limping, she has a roommate. She does. Why does she have one roommate? Okay. Because now we're rewinding. And I don't, I wanted to go in chronological order. And gosh, if you are still on this podcast, bless you for hanging with some people who who are dealing with some heavy loss. But we really do share this with you. Because in the moment, we I are don't this. see a lot of people talking about loss. And that doesn't mean that they're inauthentic, but it is the truth. Like when you have a YouTube channel or a podcast, as soon as we share about loss, we're going to hear from a bunch of people saying like, well, then why are you even doing this? Are you even qualified? You're going to get so much backlash about it. But I feel like it's worth the risk because this is how we learn. This is how you learn what is worth a risk, what your heart can take, what you can can physically handle on your homestead. And when you're coming from the suburbs and you're a first-gen farmer, 
this is really valuable stuff. And I would love to see more people talking about the loss that they experience in a free way where they're not worried about getting backlash. But if we're all invested in this, like disrupting our food chain so that we are closer to the source, whether it's local food and and local farmers markets, or you're growing it on your homestead, we're going to advocate for that. So be a part of your food system. And this is part of it. So our turkeys, who we believed wholeheartedly we were going to raise eight or 10 turkeys, this, um, you know, I guess it would be kind of contrary to my thought, but we ordered these 10. Yeah, this won't be, uh, this won't be raising meat birds per se over the summer, but we were going to raise these turkeys so that we had um, some to, to sell in the fall, right? Come Thanksgiving. So we we're going to process them and then sell them from our farm. And the thing is, like, we expect loss. We expect like a 10%, max 20% loss on any animals that we raise just because that's the reality, right? A copperhead can bite your pig. (laughs) Like this can just happen. But our turkeys were a kind of kick in the crotch loss. Like, have you ever like broken up with somebody and then the very next day you see them at the mall with some other like person? All right, this is way worse than that, guys. This is 10 turkeys who one after the other just dropped faster than flies. We lost eight turkey, little little turkey keats or pullets. We can't quite tell what they're called on the internet, but I think they're turkey keats. And Really? Yeah, I think oh. so. Just little, with like one-week-old turkeys. This is the only set of birds we've gotten through the mail. So I do think that had something to do with it. We knew before we started turkeys were frail. They were difficult to keep up with, kind of dumb compared to chickens. But that wasn't a bad thing. We were just preparing ourselves, right? Learning up what we could learn up on. Eight of them were lost within the first week. Pretty much all just like freezing or, you know, being out of really slow or just just weird birds. But two lone survivors held all of our hope for Thanksgiving. And days before Bo had this encounter with the snakes, we went out to the brooder in our little poultry nursery, and there was one lone gray slate turkey. Well, this is the morning. Ollie comes running in and saying, Dad, Dad, there's There's only one. one turkey. And here was the crazy thing. This all happened. Gosh, this has been a bananas kind of two weeks because this all happened because I did not close up the little poultry nursery properly. The windows were open on the sides, but that night our boys were in our back pasture closing up everything. I totally forgot about that I knew you did as I saw your face. The boys were out. Like I hate to be out of order with this, I guess if we got a timeline, we could put it below. But basically, our boys were out putting the chickens away. They're eight and ten. And we heard some like, I don't know, clamoring about. And we're like, what is that? It was very strange for us to hear it. We almost didn't recognize what it was. And then we hollered for the boys and they didn't respond. And I was like, what the? 
And so we ran toward them and we hollered at like them. sprinted. And behind, and as we're hearing and running toward them, we hear this sound that is just yipping, yipping, yipping. And it's growing louder and, and not only louder in volume, but louder in voice. Yes. Like there are multiple of this yipping. And we're still not hearing the boys. And we're still not hearing the boys. So this felt like five minutes. It took maybe 30, 70 seconds, something like that. And the boys come tearing through mom, dad, we heard coyotes. We heard coyotes. And they got closer. I don't like it sounded like they were getting closer. It sounded closer. like and we have trees surrounding our house, so there's also sort of some like distortion of sound. But Bo goes and grabs the gun. Not I mean, we would have killed one if we needed to, but the truth is, like we didn't think we needed to kill it or that if we didn't. If I saw one, I would have shot it. So he gets a shotgun and goes or was it the rifle? No, I just got a twenty-two, so, just because it was the fastest thing. So he grabs the Not shotgun and then, you know, just shoots a couple of shells into the ground to scare off whatever is there. And then screamed. And so, right. yes, and we shouted at them. The boys hearing the boys hearing the coyotes was like the kickoff to the snakes. And the truth is probably that when our neighbors moved and took all their livestock, which were very, well, you got to slow down. You gotta, oh, slow, yeah. you, gotta, you gotta come back just a, okay. so so oh yeah so we so, have not so had then, no but then that night where Bo goes out with the with okay. the shotgun I'm like oh I'm gonna be such a helpful wife I'm gonna go close up the poultry nursery and I go and I shut the door and there was almost something like can I just say we should always listen to that little that little thing that sends goosebumps up your back I should have followed my gut and gone into it with a flashlight and either a I would have seen the snake or that was just my little spidey sense giving me a premonition of what was going to happen or I would have seen oh the windows are open I need to close those and I didn't do either of those things and the next day one of our very hard kept alive turkeys is gone and I just Kick in the crotch, my friend. That's all I can say is that is how losing that last turkey felt. Well, then moments before this. So I'm going to wrap mm-hmm. it all up. Moments before this. we So we have had one turkey for the last week and a half. Week and a half. Then we have the lavenders that got bit by the snakes. And we ended up taking, so then we had one lavender that's still healing up and it was alone. Then we had another turk. We had the single turkey left that's alone. We're like, hey, they need friends. <laughs> so let's put them out on pasture uh. in the old rabbit tractor that has a broken latch. And then bam, a huge windstorm. windstorm comes through. And I'm like, I think I might need to go check on the See, animals. See, that was your spidey sense. It was a spidey Good. sense. I went out there. Of course, it's exactly what I thought. The rabbit tractor had flipped open. Flipped open the little, poor little, you know, uh, healing up lavender Orpington. Can't get out. She's like, I'm stuck in here. This is how I die. Yes. And the turkey, who's completely mobile, just this little. She gone. She gone. <laughs> So Ollie and I, I go yell, Ollie, get your boots on, man. Because I need that's your help. who we call for. Every time. Ollie is the hardiest farmhand oh, you yeah. ever did meet. He Well, he'll never turn it down. He's like, okay. Adventure. Yeah, let's go do it. Put the boots on, go into the septic field. And Ollie hears the... Deep, hear, deep. Deep, deep, Yeah. And we find her. Like, I can't believe that 
We did. I'm so grateful. Especially with all the freaking snake losses yes. we have had. I know. That I know. turkey. Jeez. We got, I mean, now, and then once I, we got her in there, I was like telling Kelly, I don't know how we're going to process this turkey. Like if, if we can keep this turkey alive until Thanksgiving. She's a miracle. Yeah, She's going to have the liver days out on Brotherton Farm. It's going to be tough to, to, to do it, but we'll figure that out Part later. of me is like, man, but we kept her alive this long. It's yeah. worth it. Now, here's the thing. We are having these issues, and I knew that we were going to, maybe this. It's not that I knew that we were going to have predator issues and losses when this big transition happened in our area, Mm -hmm. but I knew that we had a hedge of protection from these predators before. So we live on seven and a half acres and right next to us was 10 acres of a just really, really sweet couple that own this land uh, next to us, our neighbors. But they live like 30 minutes away or maybe like 20 minutes away from this property. But they had so many animals there. It was like a buffet. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was a free buffet. Like Golden Corral for, for wild animals. So we live here. And we work from home, so we have dogs. We are just always here. There, there. It's you have to work a little harder to be able to for a predator to get to our animals. For them, you didn't have to work at all. They didn't really well, have that much of a structures. Easy they didn't picking. have. It was just really, really easy. So they had. I mean, the. I don't want to like badmouth, but it was very easy for coyotes to go and kill some lambs. Like they would have to have. Uh, they, they, they ended up having to invest in donkeys to be able to keep big predators out. In terms of little predators and them having poultry, they lost all of their chickens almost and all of their ducks because smaller predators were able just to... Reach in. Yeah. yeah. And you're, we're talking like raccoons, skunks, um, Possum. possums, like, you know, and, and snakes yeah. now. And that's what it was is we do not... And they moved. So that's the whole thing. Our yeah. neighbors are gone. So that that little buffet is literally empty. And what's actually interesting, I just commented to Bo as we walked down there yesterday was, wow, look at how all the grass has grown back. And I don't necessarily think that's a place for animals to hide. I do think the snakes are, there's probably a nest somewhere on our seven acres where these copperheads are, you know, making a home. But the lesson in the loss of the turkey in the attack on the chickens. And this isn't to be dramatic. This is just realistic. Like we expected these things, but I just I just don't hear a lot of people talking about the loss in these ways. And I, I think you just can't prevent it all, but it's almost helpful to hear somebody say like, hey, here's a vulnerable part about our homestead journey. And, you know, these different ways, some of them were just absolute mistakes. Like we just should have thought ahead with the rabbits or with the chickens being prepared and, and finding a better climate for these chickens and for us, that that would have been better too with the seasons. I need to sure up latches, latches on all right, of the structures right. to where it's not just a single latch. And if we had gone out there ourselves the night before, you know, there are just some little things where most of the time those small mistakes matter nothing. But when they matter, they really feel like, gosh, 
this is a diligence thing and the buck stops with me and there's nothing else that I can do. So I think the preparedness of homesteading from scratch where you just don't have a playbook is just be willing to know that you don't know everything and give yourself grace when you make the mistakes and then be unwilling to take that same thing on until you're ready to deal with those mistakes. That's something that we're having to figure out. Am I willing to take on sheep just yet? I don't know. I don't know if we're ready for that. Um, Am I willing to take on ducks? Yes. Am I willing to have fluffy, adorable, yellow ducks? Abso-freaking-lutely. But the day that we got those ducks, I shirt up the top to where at least a bigger snake isn't able to get through there. You learned. You learned from the loss of the turkey where that top that we had on the brooder box was not sufficient. And we did. We said, yeah, I'm willing to take on ducks and I'm willing to adjust what I did with my turkey so that my ducks don't suffer the same. It is animal husbandry. We do have to care for these animals. Like they have personalities, they have lives, they have value. And your job is to steward them well. So there are going to be times where you really screw the pooch, man. And then there are going to be times where you feel so grateful for that lesson and loss and you're willing to adjust for the next time. We're not giving up, right? Well, I think we're in too deep. I mean, there's we have ducks. What else can we do? These fluffy little nuggets. They're so cute. So you can find us at Better Together Life on Instagram or I'm Kelly at Better Together Wife on Instagram. You can also email us at bettertogetherlife at gmail.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.